welcome to the first of our 3D Med Talks podcast series, brought to you by 3D MedNet. I'm Georgie Makin, editor of 3D MedNet, a community site that unites the diverse and multifaceted world of medical 3D printing with the aim of advancing the field together. In this episode, we will be looking at 3D printing as an emerging tool for improving patient experience for surgical procedures, particularly in relation to cancer. Joining me today as my co-host is Jay Parker, Senior Editor of Oncology Central, a free online platform that unites all aspects of oncology to support a multidisciplinary approach to the progression of the field. And we will also be talking to Shana Cook, a biomedical engineering student at the Milwaukee School of Engineering. Hi Georgie, lovely to be co-hosting this with you and hi Shana. Hello. So to start with Jade, um, with the stories and research that you publish on Oncology Central, have you noticed anything in particular about how 3D printing or related technologies, in fact, are being used in oncology? Definitely. There's loads out there in the field um, and some really exciting things going on. So I've kind of just picked three that have particularly caught my eye. So the first one is around prosthetics for breast cancer patients. So Patients who have undergone mastectomies, you can 3D print a new breast and this comes with sort of things like custom sizing and you have reduced sort of cost, increased comfort. So that's kind of really improving that aspect. And then something that's quite close, I believe, to both of our hearts with our veterinary science background, Georgie, is to do with a story about a dog who had osteochondrosarcoma so he actually needed to have about 70% of the skull removed and what they were able to do the surgeons were able to 3d print a plate and that meant that the surgeon could actually perform the whole surgery in a mock sort of way before even walking into the operation room so not only do those sort of things reduce time in surgery but also reduce the risk and make it a lot more sort of personalized and then the last one that I believe has also been covered on our sites is to do with a microfluidic device. So this is one where you can simulate cancer treatments, which looks really interesting. So I think that covers the sort of preclinical side of things. Um, and then obviously you sort of took us on a brief tour of a veterinary scenario in the operating room. But what do you think of the applications of 3D printing in improving the patient experience? So could you let us know your thoughts on how 3D printing is either being used or could be used um, to develop that experience? Yep, so I'd say, in my opinion, the main thing is to do with personalised medicine. So 3D printing is really facilitating this aspect. And so personalised medicine is a huge theme at the moment in oncology. It's kind of one of the big things that ASCO is going to be focusing on at the end of the month. And so things like, for example, that microfluidic device that I mentioned. So this mini device, which was 3D printed, allows you to test your treatment on the tumour before giving it to the patient. So not only are they doing that, but it's also looking at treating the cancer rather than treating it based on the site of the cancer. So, for example, treating all lung cancers the same. You treat them based on the genes. So, yeah, it's really sort of an interesting way in that. And then... I'd say the other thing that's interests me with 3D printing is to do with reaching sort of low middle income or rural areas. So being able to 3D print tools or sort of mini portable laboratories in really rural areas is a really sort of interesting area. 
yeah, there's loads going on. I think that leads us really nicely into the main part of this episode, as I'm really keen to introduce you properly to Shana Cook. So as I mentioned before, Shana is a biomedical engineering student at Milwaukee School of Engineering. Just last year, following surgery to remove retroperitoneal low myosarcoma, uh, Shana decided to print her own tumour using her own data from previous MRI scans. Hi, Shana. Hi. So just to kick off uh, this interview, Shana, would you be able to talk us through your story leading up to your diagnosis of retroperitoneal low myosarcoma? Absolutely. So I started in college studying biomolecular engineering at uh, the Milwaukee School of Engineering in 2010. And after a little over a year, I kind of decided, like, I think that biomolecular engineers would spend uh, too much time in a lab for a career. So I transferred down to uh, Benedict University in Illinois to study biology and ended up leaving in March of 2013 because I had some severe pelvic pain. So I had three years of undergraduate finished. I was so close to graduating, and this pain just knocked me out. So I moved back home, took a full-time job, and it took, like, eight months of pain for me to realize I needed to go to the clinic in town and get this checked out. And that first doctor's visit set me up for so many more doctor's visits with specialists and physical therapists and different treatment plans, all of these things that didn't actually diagnose the problem. And it was a tumor that nobody found until much later. So in at Loyola in 2013, the day after I turned 23, actually, they did an MRI um, and found a baseball-sized tumor. So we did a biopsy two weeks later. I was informed that it was a smooth muscle sarcoma, and then we just started to move forward from there. Thanks for letting us know about that, Shana. Could you give us a bit of detail on what sort of treatment options were available to you and also what was your experience of your treatment? So the only treatment option really was surgical resection because of the type of tumor, radiation and chemo weren't really um, factors for me. So I was definitely okay with that. They were going to cut it out and I was going to have no more pain. So it seems <laughs> pretty simple to me. But I would say that I had a, a really good experience. My hospital stay was shorter than a week. But the recovery was a lot more intense than I had initially anticipated. And maybe my doctors made the right choice in maybe not telling me every part of recovery because I would have been a little scared. I was definitely used to having a super active lifestyle, lifting weights, playing hockey. And suddenly I was living in a bed in my mother's living room for months. And I was like relearning to move my leg and sit and stand and all sorts of things. So it was it was interesting. But I think it was, you know, um, it was good. The recovery ended well. So following your experience with recovery and with your surgery in general, I understand you continued your studies quite quickly, actually, with biomedical engineering. What actually led you in the first place to investigate biomedical engineering and in particular medical 3D printing as an area of focus for your studies or essentially more of a wider range of your career? So I knew I wanted to continue studying in engineering because I still loved the idea of being, you know, a master in math and physics and computing technologies to come up with innovative solutions to problems that people may not even know exist yet. I think engineers are important, and I was like, I want to be a part of this. I just had realized after my cancer journey that uh, I wanted to do it with humans. I think that there's a lot to be gained, that the field of biomedical engineering is really on the way up, and I'm trying to be a part of it. That sounds fab. Could you let us know how you came to print your own data then? So where did this idea come from and how did you actually carry this out? Yes. So I have to visit my oncologist every six months and it was more frequent right after surgery, but she uh, checks up on me, reads all of my yearly MRIs, tells me what's going on. And uh, I thought to myself, like, hey, I'm a I'm an engineering student. I should be able to 3D print this, right? Because 3D <laughs> printing is a, a thing available to people now. So 
I didn't actually know what segmenting was, and I didn't know that you could 3D print certain parts of anatomies, and I just asked the hospital for my radiology data, and they gladly sent it to me. And I told my oncologist in an office visit, I was like, I bet I can 3D print this. Mm-hmm. I want to get you a copy. And she kind of laughed, and she's like, okay, cool. And um, I haven't given it to her yet, but hopefully when I go back down and visit, she's just as surprised as I was to have actually printed it. <laughs> what would you say that you gained from printing your own tumour? So did you find any comfort or deeper understanding of your treatment and over experience, actually, being able to handle a, a personalised model? Yeah, it it turned out to mean a lot more to me than um, just the material worth in, you know, plastic or nylon or anything. I hadn't anticipated the, like, the deep effect that this would have on me, this journey of segmenting my tumor and uh, 3D modeling it and printing it, but it helped me deal with a lot of, like, residual emotions and issues and concerns that I had, and I'm not really a, a, a person to look inside and say, hey, I need to deal with this. I just kind of move on to the next thing. So taking some time with my data in a a purely technical way actually helped me recover more from cancer, even though it was already out of my body. I feel like I I actually beat it, you know, like holding that physical model in my hand has this huge effect and I was so moved and I'm like, wow, I I did it. And it's like this feeling of accomplishment and just absolute joy. I was so excited to have it done. And I'm like really proud of it, this weirdly shaped piece of plastic. (laughs) And I carry one with me almost all the time. And I'm like, so proud. amazing you um you did touch on the sort of the worth comparing the financial worth to your own sort of internal worth how much did or would you say that the model is worth like how much did it cost to produce um overall would you estimate so the 3d printers were available to us engineering students from um a generous donor who graduated from the ee program here at msoe um electrical engineering so I wouldn't consider that a cost other than tuition to go to MSOE, which <laughs> we can talk about later. But so <laughs> the actual material cost is only about um, a dollar and seventy cents. Mm-hmm. So it's you know, I mean, cheaper than most things at the dollar store. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing! So you t- you mentioned about how it improved your experience three D printing. How do you think it might improve um other patients' experience and understanding? of conditions such as retropetrinoleosarcoma, particularly when surgery is involved? I think it could help a lot because people seem to really connect with that 3D model. Like, I had my images shown to me in 2D, and I was like, okay. And then the first time you hold the model, you're like, I've seen the slices of this. Like, yeah. I theoretically know what it should look like, and it's just such a different, it's a different dimension. Literally, it's in 3D now. I just, I think that the more information is better. I'm always going to accept more information. I want to know more. I want to find out more about my tumor personally. But I think that that could be really dependent on the person. Because for me, it was it was kind of scary. I hit the print button and I'm like, now I'm going to know what it looked mm-hmm. like, how big it was, you know, that type of thing. So I think that that patient may need to be ready. But like, I was just thrilled. And it brought this other understanding because you can read like, oh, it's triangular-ish shaped. But I didn't know it until I held it. And I'm like, oh, so it's like a weird pyramid. You kind of find your own way to relate to it. And it helped me understand why the surgery was done the way that it was done. And even when printed with landmarks, so if my tumor had been printed with a pelvis around it, I could have seen the exact placement, the exact mm-hmm. size, known the relation of nerves and vessels to it. So I think it can only be valuable if someone's ready to accept it. I guess sure. it could be sort of medical training as well. It'd be really useful for medical students to be able to see 
and sort of surgeons to be able to see what the model looks like and like you said see its placement in comparison to other parts of the body rather than just seeing it as a sort of static 2D image. Yeah absolutely I think that I mean moving forward I still want to print it with more landmarks so I can better understand it because mm-hmm. I still have all of the, the radiology data but it's yeah with landmarks it would be really something to actually see it like where did it live and how did we mm. evict it from its home <laughs> so hypothetically should 3d printing be applied perhaps more widely as a tool for creating preoptive models for cases similar to your own as sort of a standard or best practice in the future is there anything you think should be considered either ethically practically or potentially even financially before that would be rolled out into a, a standard routine care? I definitely think so. Um, I think that maybe if I had the model beforehand, it would have you know improved my experience. But when you're looking at maybe different types of surgeries where it, they need to be a little bit more delicate, because mine was just kind of like cut it out, put her back together, make sure she's okay. Um, <laughs> that's obviously not the case with all of them where they come back with clear margins or things are just kind of cut and dry in best case scenario. That's definitely not all the time. I think they would be so useful in preoperative planning because, and these are not my words, uh, surgeons already live in a 3D world. They're always 3D. So for a surgeon to look at a 2D scan and say, okay, there it is, like they obviously have a really good understanding, expert knowledge, you know, technical experience. But I think that that 3D model holds a different type of weight and then they can see its, uh, its relation with its surroundings. I think it could be adopted for best practice, and I know that this has been touched on, but some of the softwares used to do these things are actually medical devices and regulated as such, which, I mean, I think is really the only way to do it. So I think that it's going to a good place, and it could definitely be best practice. It may just be financially adopting it, because some of these prints, I mean, they're not all a dollar and 70 cents. They can range, you know, hundreds, thousands of dollars. So it would really depend on what's the hospital able to do? Like, do you have third-party agencies do this? It depends on logistics, I think. Sure. Before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts or any comments you would like to add on the subject of surgical 3D printing or on cancer and 3D printing or anything just to summarise your experience? I just got to say, I'm like so, so happy to have been a part of it. I, I guess I came back to school at the right time when we had 3D printers and I got to do this project and help myself heal internally, um, see an external product, and I'm super excited to see where 3D printing goes in medicine from here because I think it's just going to explode um, if it hasn't already, and it's exciting to see where it could go, what can we do, and what other implications can it have that no one's even thought of yet. Uh, I completely agree with you. I'm equally as excited. Jade, what do you think has been your key takeaway from today's episode? I think it's been fantastic. Thank you so much, Shana, for sharing your story with us. And, you know, it's really a privilege to hear about sort of the first-hand patient experience of using 3D printing and what it can be used for. So um, thank you so much for taking the time and telling us about your experience with it. Yeah, I'm really excited to kind of see how it can bring forward patient experience and sort of personalised medicine and how surgeons are going to be able to see 3D printed models, like how it can sort of advance all the clinical aspects of care. Yeah, thank you both.
Um, Georgie, is there anything that you would like to add or even plug? <laughs> yes, actually, I would like to take this opportunity to plug an event that 3D MedNet are co-hosting. So 3D MedNet members may already be aware that we are hosting a brand new two-day conference in London on the 2nd and 3rd of October called 3D Med Live, 3D Printing in Surgery. So if you enjoyed today's podcast, you will love 3D Med Live as the programme is packed with roundtable discussions, as well as case studies and beyond the theatre conversations, all focused on surgical 3D printing and everything that that can encompass. You can find out more and book your tickets via the website at www.3dmedlive.com or join the conversation through our dedicated room on 3D MedNet. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for on this 3D Med Talks episode, but you can find out more about Shayna's story in her full column on 3D MedNet and can follow her on Twitter at Shayna L. Cook. This episode has been hosted and produced by Georgie Makin and Jay Parker. Make sure you check out the Oncology Central and the 3D MedNet websites and social media accounts for more information about future podcasts and join us on Twitter via at Georgie underscore FSG and at Jay Bet Parker.